five, four, three, two, one. All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of America.com. My name is Rich Doc Hayden, and I'm with... Harpo. And here we are. We are in the middle of March. We officially hit spring over the weekend. Um, We're now a week into daylight savings time, so everybody's starting to come alive. The world's starting to come out. How are you doing this week, Harpo? Hey, we're doing good. 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 Doing good. Everybody's hanging in there. Excellent, excellent. Everybody still staying healthy and all that good stuff? Everybody's good and healthy. Good. Same here on this end. Uh, Everybody's been doing all right. So, So, tonight we usually talk about domestic issues and what's going on around the country, but tonight we're going to twist it up a little bit. We're going to change things. We're going to talk about international issues and how they relate to the U.S. And the three countries we have specifically on our list is Russia, China, and Mexico. And the U.S. being so big and being such a powerful country has deep relations with different countries all over the world. But it seems like in the last couple of weeks, China, Russia, and Mexico have been at the top of the list. So let's start with China and Russia, since there are adversaries. Harpo, did you have a chance to read up between the meeting between Chinese and American diplomats in Anchorage last week? Yeah, well, yeah, I, I read up a little bit on it. Mm-hmm. I didn't get to read the whole whole thing today. But yeah, I could see where a couple of them got up and walked out in the middle of the meeting. It looked like, it sounded like there was some, some uh, showing up tension in there. Definitely was. There definitely was. And for people who haven't heard about it, uh, it was pretty big news, but the American delegation came in and said some things that the Chinese delegation didn't like, and then the Chinese delegation there, diplomat, went on for about 17 minutes on this pretty intense anti-American diatribe. And if anyone thought that the... U.S.-China relationship could maybe smooth out under Joe Biden. Um, I think this mo- this meeting proved them wrong, and I think that we're getting even further and further away from um, peaceful relations with China. So, um, Gee, why? I mean, if you think about it, why would China want peaceful relationship when America is mad at America? I mean, we're killing ourselves on the inside. Mm-hmm. So China's not. I mean. They're not going to show us any any pity. I can guarantee you that. Oh, absolutely not. I think that what China is starting to see between the unrest over the last year, between how bad we've handled the coronavirus pandemic, and combined with the fact that their you know their economy is booming, they've been building up their military for a number of years. I think that they finally see an opening for them to begin to assert themselves a bit more forcefully you know, around the world, which I think is, you know, not only problematic for the United States, but also very problematic for the rest of the world, because China is an authoritarian state. They do not have, you know, liberal democratic values. You know, this can be proved recently by their recent crackdown in Hong Kong and, and basically squashing democracy there. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's getting tense. They're definitely not the Burger King. You can't have it your way over there. No, you cannot. No, you cannot. That is true. <laughs> that is true. So, so you know, so this, you know, I've been a little concerned, and the I, I think that it's really posing 
big trouble for the U.S. going forward. Because one one thing about China, there, you know, even though their their system is authoritarian and ruthless, I, I think a an awful system. They're they're the real deal. They're they're genuinely they're they're a global power at this point. And I think that if anyone takes them for granted, they really do so at their own peril. And they really need to be taken seriously in a way that they did it maybe twenty or thirty years ago, um, or even ten years ago, to tell you the truth. Yes, I think it's going to be really really difficult going forward. And I have to say, Biden has seemed pretty tough on this, which is good. But I think every president from here on is going to have to be tough on him. Oh yeah, we just got to make them pay their fair share, mm-hmm. and and you know they don't want to do that. So, well, there's that, and they're also they're building ties with different countries around. They're building economic ties with countries around the world, and really, what they want to do is replace the United States as the dominant global power. And you, you know, a, their brand of authoritarianism. Um, they want to uh, replace. I don't. I, I'm not entirely sure if they want every country in the world to be authoritarian like they are, but they're certainly deepening their relationships with other authoritarian countries and, you know, used through their economic and other leverage are bringing other countries closer to them. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a, a very, very difficult challenge going forward. I mean, I wonder what the ratio, I mean, like race-wise in China, like a different amount of races. And, you know, like America, we got a lot of different races. Mm-hmm. In America, China. I wonder how many they have. I bet it's not as many. I, I would say it's not as many. I don't know. That's a good question, and I, I I wish I knew the answer to that question. I know it's not nearly as diverse as the United States is. I know that they the actually just today the U.S., Canada, and the EU imposed some more sanctions on China for the way they're treating the Uyghur Muslim population in the western part of China. So do you know about this? They've essentially been rounding up these this Muslim population and sending them to re-education camps. And I, I, I'm not 100% sure if they're committing genocide quite yet, but um, it's pretty close. Right, that's, that's what I'm... Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know, you know, if there are, you know, what, what the status of minorities... Do, you know do you know what the sanctions were? What did he say? I do not. I was not able to read up specifically about them, but they were. I, I believe they were. I, I don't know. I have to. I have to double check. I, I. I just glanced the article. I didn't have a chance to read the whole thing yet. So, but yeah, you know, going forward, it's it's going to be the you know the U.S.'s number one strategic dilemma of the next fifty years and at least fifty years, and you know I kind of. Um, Honestly, you're you're old enough to remember a bit of the Cold War, right? I mean, I just as in the history books. I mean, it was pretty fresh on everybody else's mind still. Because mm-hmm. it'd be like it'd be like me going being a teacher and teaching about the Iraq War, probably to this generation now. Got it. Because I was eleven when the um, well, I was nine when the Berlin Wall fell, and then eleven when the Soviet Union collapsed. And though um, so, I, yeah, so I would have been like four and eight or four mm-hmm. and nine. Okay, yeah. So you were a little a little young, but yeah, I, I was still, born in eighty three. So yeah, so yeah, so six set six what six and and uh, six and eight something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, if we got our math right, which I hope we did. <laughs> the um, but yeah, 
I just think I still remember I you know I wasn't old enough to really understand politics in death back then, but I definitely do remember um, you know the 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 Russians were on one side, we were on the other, and people were worried about nuclear war breaking out at any second and you know I'm worried that we're we're headed back in a similar direction and we'll we'll loop Russia in here in a minute, but at least with china it's it's going to turn into to that which i hope i like let me put this i hope it doesn't turn into that but it's got the possibility of turning into that you know what i mean right so, and i wonder whose side russia's going to take you know i think it would it just it seems like they would naturally take china's side because they're both authoritarian governments governments they both right. you know are, are anti-democratic governments but there's some animosity between the two of them as well, and there's there's they're both naturally aligned against the U.S. But Russia, so let's talk a little bit about Russia now. Russia is not a player in the same way that the Chinese are. Like Russia has a lot of nuclear weapons, and you know they're they're uh, pretty hostile to uh, other countries. But China has a much much larger economy. Their military is much bigger. Much they haven't really used it, but. Uh, Presumably, much more um, effective and much much more technologically advanced. And China is just you know leaps and bounds ahead of Russia. Russia will always be a second tier player because their economy is really small. Their they don't innovate in the same way that the U.S. and China does. And the, the only the only thing that's really really keeping them in the game is that Putin is such a I I hate to say it, but he's a good leader. I don't say that I don't say that in like a positive way. He's an evil leader, but he's very, very, very smart and very capable and has, you know, has led the country the way he has. But they're, they're, the US, the Russia will never replace the U.S. or China, but they'll always just intervene and always really make trouble for us. And who knows? Maybe start making trouble for China in the future, too. But that's a good question. So, yeah. I would, so, I would think they would side with probably China, though. I agree. Just because they... I think both. I think both of those countries see how down we are on each other over here. I really do. Mm-hmm. I the absolutely. Way this agree. country hates each other. Mm-hmm. There's so much hate in this country. I think. I, I think the other countries are banking on that. I agree. Unfortunately, I agree. They're going to use it. They're going to use it against us, mm-hmm. just like they do. You know, that cyber warfare ain't only in just the elections. I mean, mm-hmm. they. They see they see a fresh wound. They want to take the the knife and stick it in deeper. So. Unfortunately, I agree with you. I think that that's absolutely correct. The uh, I, I as you know, one of the things what I, I I didn't read the detailed comments of the Chinese ambassador last week, but one of the things you know he talked about um, you know the Black Lives Matter movement and how um, the you know in America is like don't you know don't lecture us on. Um, mistreating minorities because you mistreat your minorities and just really was um yeah you said yeah just kind of sticking the knife in you know what i mean so yeah they, yeah they know you know what i mean yeah absolutely know. and they know us americans are, are weak right now mm-hmm. we're vulnerable to anything and we believe anything we see that comes across our phones or our computer screens for some reason or mm-hmm. television if we see it we believe it we don't go out and fact hunt just to to make sure a lot of time, and then we try to voice our opinions, and it just makes my mind worse. Mm-hmm. All the way. Yeah. Now, the only thing, the only silver lining 
I can potentially see to this. I've been doing a lot of thinking about this, but the only silver lining I think I can potentially see to this is that because we've been the you know world superpower since the end of the Cold War, we haven't had any real competition up until you know the last couple of years or so with China. And Russia's not really Russia's sort of a competitor, but Russia will never again will never eclipse us. They just don't have the the technological uh, fortune. They just they, they'll never move beyond. They can only grow so much. But China is really the rival to uh, pay attention to. So one of the things that I think could be a silver lining is that it will help having a outside um, foe and an outside competition may help to bring us together um, in a way that the the coronavirus hasn't. So like after September 11th, you really did see. America unite and come together and, oh, yeah, yeah um, you know, to go over and uh, really fight terrorism. And I think if China does overplay its hand and then does decide to do something like maybe attack Guam or attack, you know, like Pearl Harbor or, or launch a couple rockets at us or something or provoke us in a certain way, you might see us come together in a way that you know we haven't done um, since September 11th and China China too it's a big country it's a it's another country we actually do really well at fighting wars with other countries we did it very well in World War II so the it might I think I think the Soviet Union the kind of paradoxically the even though the Soviets were a threat during the Cold War they kind of brought us together and made us a better country than we, you know, may have been otherwise. But then again, I might be wrong. We might continue to fragment, and they might just keep weakening us until one day we become um, irrelevant. I hope that doesn't happen. But I was going to say, you don't think China's already here? Well, when you when you say that, what do you mean? Well, I mean, how easily that you can just blast something on anything, you know, any device. We've all got cell phones. Mm. And I'm telling you, if you people, I'm guilty of it too. If you see it come across the screen, it's got to be true. And I don't fact check everything, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I don't voice my opinion on that. Very rarely, on any of the news I see, I'll talk about it on here, but I don't yeah. go social media and blast my opinions on it. Sure, sure. So. Uh, yes, I do. But here's the thing. Here's I what, what, I, what I'm saying. You don't think China's not seeing how broken we are and they just keep stacking up stuff over here? I think they are. But see, here's where I think the having a competitor and having somebody to kind of unite against works in our favor. So let me give you an example. Like I, I'm confident that they are buying ads on Facebook and spreading misinformation. You know, Up until now, there hasn't really been much of a public appetite to really sort of clean Facebook up. And I'm not talking about censoring people. I'm talking about really making sure that, you know, foreign actors are not buying ads on Facebook, that other people, that other countries are not influencing us in a way that they should. But if we recognize, we people really recognize that China is a threat, then 
perhaps will you know, call on politicians and we'll, we'll start to clamp down on some of this behavior that we've allowed Facebook and Twitter to get away with for so long. The, the, if, this, if this country got rid of Facebook, we'd be so much better off within probably, I would say, within a year. I agree. See, I agree. You would see some change in this country. I agree. And you know... But I like Facebook. I, mean, I like to go on there and see, you know, when you, what Doc's up to and all yeah. my other buddies, Marine buddies and stuff. So, I, I mean, I like Facebook to that aspect. Mm -hmm. If I have to find another means to communicate with everybody, I will. Mm -hmm. But I could, I, I, I could do without Facebook. Yeah. Well, but, you know, but see, the thing is, like, it's the Facebook, we all take it for granted that Facebook has to be like this. And we can yep. change it. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't have to be this way. You know, there could be, there are ways, and without going down too much of a rabbit hole, there's a lot that Facebook can do to change itself and to reform itself, but it just chooses not to do because it would lose its profits. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if you have the you know the people and the government recognizing this threat of China or you know again China or any outside threat and finally just clamping down and saying no you know enough's enough we're going to reform I think that um, they will so maybe this will be the kind of thing that will give us the political will and here's something else too the internet as it exists now could not have existed during the Cold War because both the U.S. and Russia were much, much had, had their communications were much tighter and much tighter, much more tightly regulated. And the U.S. was worried about secrets spilling to, spilling to the Soviets and vice versa. So you couldn't have an open world like you do now. And after the Cold War ended, you'll see it took a few years, but in you know the internet really, really began to take off in the mid to late '90s, and it could only have blossomed and become what it was in this idea of this open world where you don't have these two superpowers competing. China's been able to exploit that and we're unfortunately kind of behind the curve and we, we thought after the Cold War that we would be able to have this you know beautiful world that didn't have major power players but we were wrong. You know what I mean? Yep. So so so, I know I'm talking at great length about this, but the you know I'm concerned about now. Let me let me let me say one more thing too. When I say China, what I mean is the Chinese government. I do not mean the Chinese people, and I definitely do not mean people of Chinese and Asian ancestry here in the U.S. You know, one of the one of the things that I think is going to make it more difficult for us than for China. And to go back to your original question. Um, even though I don't know the ethnic breakdowns of China, I do know that they are much more homogenous than we are and don't have as many minority groups and, and different constituencies that they have to balance. But, you know, we have to be careful to not persecute the Asian American community. One of the, one of the big mistakes we made during World War II was the Japanese internment camps. We can't have anything like that again. Um, and we have to be very, very, very careful of that and because yeah, we don't want to destroy ourselves in the process because that would be a very very frightening thing to do so yeah so so what are your what do you think do you think that we can we can adapt and we can change and, and, and we can address this issue going forward I don't know hmm. I don't know if America I mean we're so 
bipartisan and so broken as a country. It'll, it'll take a while. Mm. I don't know if it'd be in my lifetime. Mm. I don't know if it'll rebound to where, you know, you could travel abroad and not have to worry about everything just because you're an American. I mean, I know with this pandemic, nobody's traveling, but mm-hmm. it's just, it's a, we're scary times. Yeah. Well, I hope so. I see, I see some positive things and some negative things. The, the, the I'll start with the negative. The negative is yes, we are very much divided right now, and we are, we do another another reason that the Chinese do so well is in America, corporations always tend to win, and the it's corporation that's corporations that are fueling this trade between the two of us, and corporations that have offshored. You know all of the American jobs that has made China so powerful. So I'm not confident. You, if, if America would communicate more with their mouths and face to face instead of their thumbs on that mm-hmm. screen, America would be a lot better off. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Because it's so it's so easy to type something and send it versus saying it to somebody's face, mm-hmm. like holding a, a conversation, a casual conversation about an issue instead of mm-hmm. you, know, you can't read nobody's body language in a text or an email or anything like that so and people it seems like these days just automatically think you're trying to be an asshole about something mm-hmm. it's just like that's the first thing that comes to their thought not not like well darn maybe this person really does care about this issue yep let's, let's talk about it it's automatic oh this guy's a, he's an ass you don't know what he's talking about. Yep, I agree. I agree. I think yeah. I think that social media and, and the internet is just it's it's it very much reduces people to yeah one little one text or one tweet or something and turns you people extrapolate or people like people people take that one tweet or that one thing and say it and, and turn it into their entire personality. And, and for some people, that's true. There's some... I'm going to go back to this, that, that the one tweet, and the one thing you're saying. was like, I can't remember which congressman it was or, or woman. It might have been a woman that said that the Trump flag is now the new Confederate flag. Mm-hmm. Did, you, did, did you hear when, when they said that? I did not. Was it a Republican or a Democrat? Riots, that was on one of those interviews mm-hmm. I watched when uh, they were talking about the riots up there. She said the Trump flag is the new Confederate flag. Mm-hmm. And that's so far from the truth. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, it's about as far from the truth as that Confederate flag was. Mm-hmm. I mean, not, not all Southerners are that way. So, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't, I'd say that's what, that's people like that I couldn't, I don't know if I could agree with mm-hmm. on any on any issue when they can just come out and say that. Before they even come and, you know, what, I don't know what Trump supporters they're seeing, but not everybody's like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to loop it back to to what we were talking about with China and Russia, is, um, people like that and, and you and all of us are going to have to, we're going to have to figure out a way to communicate that or else the Chinese are going to eat our lunch. Eat it. So. They're going to make it and, and eat it too. Yeah, well, yes. They are going to make it and eat it too. You're absolutely right. I tell everybody I'm glad my mama taught me how to play Chinese checkers when I was little. Yeah. So. 
So, all right. So, so that's China and Russia. Now, the next country to talk about um, that's in the news in the U.S. for very different reasons is Mexico. And the, there has been an uptick in people crossing the uh, U.S.-Mexico border illegally. And um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a, a problem for the Biden administration. So have, what have you been reading about it? I mean, I've just been seeing how it's it's pretty it's pretty much an invasion, really, mm-hmm. from what I've been seeing. Uh, see people pouring across, pouring across like water over the dam, but we got to get a hold to it quick. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering what the Mexicans' government doing because I know, you know, there for a little while Trump had the Mexican government, you know, kind of catching them before they even got to our border. I'm wondering if they're still doing that. That was part of a deal we made with Mexico. Yeah, so I don't have the I don't have the exact numbers in front of me. I don't think they're necessarily pouring across the border. Um, I know that it does go up and down, but I don't know if it's quite an invasion. I mean, so you know, I mean, he just granted them eighty-six million to put them up in hotels because mm-hmm. they don't have any room in any of the facilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, I have to double check. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have to double check. I, I didn't hear about that. I, I didn't read that article. I have to double check. I do know in California, and I'm, I'm about 150 miles or so north of the border, so I'm not like right on the border, but they're not streaming in. I don't, you know, the I have to double check what's going on in Texas, Arizona, and New Mexico, but they're certainly not in invasion with migrant people like driving north or anything like that. But yeah, you know, I'm, I'm unfortunately not an expert in Mexican immigration, but we, you know, we need to sit down. We really need to, we need immigration reform and we need to figure out, you know, what's, what we're going to do with these people. Because, well, I can say this though. One of the things is that the Mexican migrants pick the berries and, and pick the produce that grow on the farms in California. So there's a lot of that. And... I know that there are some programs to let migrants in and work, but I know a lot of them are undocumented immigrants. So, um, and that's kind of the, something that happens. And that's not just in California too. That's those are farms. These are farms like all across America. It's mostly you know Mexican and Central American uh, labor picking our produce and growing all that. And that's something that you know it, everybody agriculture the you know agribusiness is uh, allowed to happen. And um, we need to start, if there was a program for people to come and do that legally, then, you know, maybe there wouldn't be as many um, issues at the border. You know what I mean? I just hope they get a better grab on it before it gets back to the way it was, before it slowed down Mm -hmm. drastically. Now, in Georgia, do you have a lot of undocumented immigrants? I mean, no. Not as much as when I was in high school, I don't think. Mm-hmm. At least, I mean, I don't see it around here as much. Most of I mean, they are, yeah, there's some. I mean, I know some. Yeah, they are some, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, they, they're trying to do right, so. I mean, they're all in the system, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of them that are pouring in now that don't want to do right, mm-hmm. is what I'm worried about. Well, you, know. The, you know, the drug cartel folks and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. 
One thing I can say, I know that there, yes, there are there are a lot of drugs that do come across the border, but but the the vast majority of people who come across the border are not drug dealers, or right, right. you know, they're 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 people who come in for economic opportunities. Um, well, yeah, most of them are uh, most of them are probably kids. There are a lot of kids too. There are a lot of kids too. You know. The um, in LA there are uh, and you don't go up and ask people what your status is obviously but there are a lot of undocumented uh, of workers here in LA so um, and then like they they kind of do all the menial jobs you know they clean the houses they uh, do yeah the I, yard say, work. I mean that's the same way around here you, you could tell who you know the documented and unoccupied but it's yeah. by off of their occupation yeah because. Uh, so that's you know, the same way it is here. Yeah. You know, you got like, you know, uh, construction workers and stuff. Uh, not all construction, mm. but, you know, there are a lot of, you know, guys that work construction on the table. So, yeah, we got, they, they send it. Well, no, we have a lot of, uh, I say we probably have more Guatemalans than we do uh, mm. Mexicans from Mexico. Interesting. Around, around here, I would say the Guatemalan population is greater. Mm-hmm. And trust me, they'll tell you, hey, I ain't Mexican. Mm-hmm. I'm Guatemalan. I'm Guatemalan. They don't like being called a Mexican for some reason. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's some past history between them two countries. Mm-hmm. They'll tell you real quick, I ain't Mexican. Mm-hmm. I'm Guatemalan. Interesting. You know, oh, okay. you know, one of the best burritos I've ever eaten in my entire life, I ate in Georgia. I can tell you, man, we got some big, hey, be so far away from the border now. We do got some good, authentic. We, nice I, food right here. I was down there visiting a friend of mine, and he was like, "I'm gonna take you to the supermercado," and it was a Mexican supermarket. This is back in like the, the like 20 years ago, like late 90s, early 2000s. But he's like, "I'm gonna take you to this Mexican market," and I was, he's like, "Come on, get a burrito." I was like, "All right, whatever." Like, uh, I'll have it, but it was good. I was like, "Damn!" I was surprised. I was like, "I'm in like." Right outside of Atlanta, middle of Georgia, I'm eating a dope burrito. So. Yeah, I married. Let's see, my wife. When I married her, her her grandparents, I mean, like her mom, was born right there at the border. They lived in Brownsville, Texas. So mm-hmm. that's right there at South Padre Island, that whole little area there. I mean, it's right on the border. So her grandma, with the Southern heritage that she had, loved to cook. So she learned how to cook. Authentic Mexican while they lived down there. Mm. She, so she used to cook tacos and stuff like that, enchiladas, all that, like they do down there. Mm. They eat talking, talking some good eating right there. Yep, yep. Yeah, and you know the um, and yet you know, and you raise a good point too. Like one one of the things I can say living here, um, and this is a little more. Um, prevalent in San Diego, but the, but you can still still see a lot of it up here in LA. Is the the ties between families on both sides of the border? Um, there's still you know you have a lot of people who have family on uh, south of the border and family on north side of the border, and they'll you know maybe oh, yeah. um, they have like cousins on one side, you know, um, and like there are a lot of people who cross back and forth each day for work in both directions. So they you know they do a lot of that, and that's. Um, I, I think in the last couple of years has slowed a little bit as, you know, the border restrictions have gotten tighter. Probably, you know, 
a lot tighter than it was uh, 50, 60 years ago, but um, there's still a whole lot. Yeah, of I mean, for, for, for Mexico to be so close to us, I wish we could get along better, but I mean, I'd, I'd love to go to Mexico, mm-hmm. but there's no way, ain't, ain't no way I'd go to Mexico. Yeah. I, unless it was on a, unless it was like on a, I did on a cruise or something like that, go to Mexico mm-hmm. or stay on one of them little port cities, but yeah. like I'd love to, I'd love to go see the country of Mexico and just the, the lay of the land and what it looks like. Mm-hmm. But there's no way I'd get that deep into Mexico as an American. I, I would never make it out. Yeah, I, I, unfortunately, I, I share a concern. I, if I was going, um, I'd certainly go if I had a, like a Mexican friend who I went with and I could, you know, go around the country with him, then, um, and he, you know, he would know to take me to, you know, yeah, safe yeah, places. Yeah, have, have That, yeah, that would do, but I would, yeah, I would be a little, rela- I certainly wouldn't just drive south. And that's, sure. and that's sad, too, you yeah. know, I mean, there are countries that's right next to us. I mean, you would think we would have a good enough relationship. Like, she, we can't even just—you can't even drive into Canada without them knowing what you're doing, what's your business, yeah. how long you're gonna be here, mm-hmm. where you going. It's like, golly. Yeah, yeah. Are, are, I mean, it's are we that bad of people that our neighboring countries, like we, they send us. You know, Mexico sends us a lot of people. Canada don't take nobody. Yeah. So yeah, it's just like everybody's just squeezing right here in the middle. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I actually, Canada is sort of the forgotten country. Like Canada is always out of the news. I don't know much at all about. I've never been to Canada, and I don't know. For every like one article that you read about Canada, you read a hundred about Mexico. You know what I mean? So. Oh yeah, I mean about. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Does Canada still have any kind of ties with Britain? They, like, I've, I, I, like I've always been told, like Canada is the Queen's land, or you know, it's the Royals' land, you know, stuff like that. They, to my knowledge, they are a member of the British Commonwealth, which is a loose confederation of former British colonies, um, which we are obviously not a part of. But they are, and I think that they recognize the Queen. But I think it's more like ceremonial for show. I don't think that that. England has any practical power or say in in Canadian affairs. You know what I mean. But they still pay in the Queen, though. They might. They they might actually send a little money over there. That's true. She just make hers. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder who's gonna live longer, her or Jimmy Carter. Ooh, good question. Uh, probably the Queen. Hey, that'd be a good bet. Yeah. Pro- I'd, uh, I'd say the Queen. She's. I think she's gonna live to be 150. She's she's a tough old bat. You know what I mean? Yeah, both of them are. That's true. I I mean the lo- you know he, Carter lives here in Georgia. You know, in the local news, I think I think they said he's done started back teaching Sunday school again. I think like maybe one Sunday out of the month, mm. go to the church and teach Sunday school like he always has. Like, yeah. Is he 100 yet? I want to say he's ninety. Let me Google. Ninety six, ninety seven, maybe. Ooh, all right. Because he he was he was he was he was in the navy in World War Two. That's right. You know, and and his wife's still alive too. Yeah. Well, it's all of I guess you just all them peanuts. They keep you healthy. 
So he was born in 24, so he's 97. October 1st, 24 is when he was born. Oh, so he'll be 90, so he's 96. He'll be 97 in October. He'll be 97 in October. And he was, all right, so that means, yeah, he was what? Like, in, in he's born in 24, so that means he was 18 in 1942. So, yeah, he would have been prime World War II age. Yep. So, yeah. That'd be a good bit. Yeah. Canada is a, a loss. You don't really hear much about them. So, you know what? To, to loop this back into China, one thing does kind of give me hope. Now, let me say that. That a potentially negative thing. I, again, I very much hope that we do not go to war with China. I really do not want to do that. I think it would be awful for both countries. But, right before World War II, we were in probably the... Actually, not probably... Right before World War II, it was the worst period of American history since the Civil War. So between the Civil War and now, the worst part of American history was the Great Depression, which was the, you know, 10 years or so prior to the outbreak of World War II. And World War II helped pull us out of it. And we were, I, we were maybe not as divided as a country as we were back then, but we were certainly a lot poorer and wondering if... This great, you know, American democratic experience was really going to survive and work. And we pulled it together for World War II. So, again, I really do not want to go to war with China. I do not think that we should use war as a reason to come together. But but if it happens, you know, hopefully that will be what unites us. I think if we go to war with China, it'll be a World War Three breakout. It, it will. It so. will. It'll be very bloody and it'll be very disastrous. Um, again, on both sides, on both sides. So, and here I am on the West Coast, you know, in, in closer to them. But it would be a very, very, it would be a horrible, horrible conflict. And I really, really do not want it to come to that. So, yeah. yeah that would that'd be a bad situation to be on the West Coast. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but I'm sure they got stuff that would reach the east coast yeah I mean so it's like which I don't I mean I think China's gonna let us kill ourselves from inside before they do anything more than you know they don't have to come over here and do nothing we're doing it to ourselves well again unfortunately I have to agree with you when's the best time to attack when somebody's weak yeah and I think they know that and they understand that so Absolutely, they know that. Yeah. Well, well, it's going to be, it's going to be a a very challenging next fifty years. I think that. Well, let me put it. Like, I'm, I can definitely say this: the the Cold War ended. It'll be thirty years ago this year, and I think that the next thirty years are going to be more challenging for America than the previous thirty years were. And you know what? If if I'm putting my 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 optimist hat on, you know. As you know, when we were in Iraq, when you left every single fob, there was a sign that said complacency kills. And what that meant to tell you is before you leave the wire, basically before you, for people who don't know, before you go out into Iraq and go on a patrol, um, there was this big sign that said complacency kills. And what that means is if you're lazy and you're complacent, you let your guard down. That's when, that's when bad things happen. Right now, we've gotten kind of complacent. So... Hopefully, you know, hopefully having something 
to, to unite against or to having a common goal, because we don't really have a common goal now. Having a common goal will help us to sharpen ourselves a little bit. So that's my hope. Yep, that's what I'm saying. We're, as a country, we are weak, and we're getting weaker and weaker. Mm-hmm. It seems like every year. We get more and more divided. We get, The more divided we are, the weaker we are. Mm-hmm. So. I and, unfortunately have to agree with you, and I'm very concerned about it. Very concerned about it, so... No. Wednesday, you know, you, like you said, complacency kills. That pretty much means don't be weak. Yeah, and well, it also means be smart too. We got to smarten up a little yeah. bit too. Oh yeah. Yep. So, well, well, I hate to end on a down note, but at the same time, if I said something stupidly optimistic, it would be wrong. But here we are. We're still alive. We're still got. We still got each other, and we're not out of the running yet. So we've come back from worse. We've come back from more difficult things. So let's hope that we're able to you know, come back from this. So before we go, Harper, you got anything else to say? No, well, that's it. I hope everybody enjoys the rest of their week. Me too. I just last thing I want to say, you know, with this this new challenge that America's facing, everybody just be ready to to do your part if. You know, we're called upon to do so. Hopefully we do it and hopefully all of our leaders guide us towards a outcome that is, you know, healthy and safe and beneficial. And you know what? I hope the Chinese leaders too. I I hope that they make good decisions that benefit not just China, but they think about decisions and how their decisions are going to affect the rest of the world because the longer this goes on, the more and more the world is going to get involved and it's it's going to start touching everybody the way the Cold War did. So that's my hope. All right, Harp, anything else? That's it, man. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much, as always, for listening to us. We wish you the best, and we will see you next week.